0: Well, if you're new visiting, we're doing a study in the book of Psalms. We're going to do all 150 of them, one by one, two by two, however the Lord leads. And uh, it's just good to know and to learn the principles of God. And guys, most of these were written 3,000 years ago. Think about that—3,000 years ago. As many people say, well, you know, the Bible is irrelevant. It's old. It's archaic. What can we learn from it? And those people that typically say that have never read it, or if they've lightly read it, they haven't studied it. So sure, I mean anything, math, to me math is really irrelevant. I could really care about math, I hate math. Does that make it irrelevant? No, it just means I don't like it, I don't study it, I don't use it every day pretty much. That doesn't negate math. So if you're here today and you have that mentality, I just want to encourage you, read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Not only read it as literature, but study it as the word of God, and the Holy Spirit will minister to you, will convict you, and will encourage you to have a relationship with Christ so that you can have a relationship with God. Now, most of us here this morning have that relationship, and that's why we're here, so that we can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so we're in Psalm 25 this morning. Father, we, we thank you and praise you that your word is so relevant. Even as your son told us 2,000 years ago that in the last days there would be violence upon the face of the whole earth, that pharmacia, that drugs would be prevalent, That marriage would be attacked from all sides. That there would be ethnic group warring against other ethnic groups. Father, we know these things have happened over the millenniums. But your son said they're going to come together as birth pains. And as every woman knows, when the birth pains are real, the child is coming. So, Father, we just thank you that there's a combination of all of these factors coming together. Natural things happening in nature all together. The birth pains are real and your son is coming back soon. So, Father, we don't live in fear. We live in faith of what you're doing in our midst, even in our country You have a plan. You have a purpose. So help us as believers to not get caught up in the politics and the racism and whatever the media might be trying to promote. But help us to just stay focused on the Word of God. To love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love those around us through your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching, and that you would be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Well, Psalm 25, you know, we don't know when David wrote this, but it does show us he would look to the Lord through his conflicts, and that is so relevant. You see, he acknowledges that he is a sinner in these these verses here. Yet he is, He expresses also his repentance and shares with his readers how gracious God has been and is to him. You see, the things expressed in this psalm show us once again that it's not about being religious. So again, there might only be one person here this morning, because I know most of you understand this. But maybe for the one person amongst us who doesn't understand this, I always want to make it perfectly clear. It's not about being religious, but having a personal relationship with God. Now, you'll notice I skipped a word there. Because many Christians have a relationship with God through Jesus. But unfortunately, many Christians are not developing, continuing to develop. Just like when we start a career. I know when I started my career at Motorola... There was continuing development for 12 and a half years. Those who stagnated, those who, you know, had their little cubicle and and said, I I only want to do what I want to do. Don't bother me with anything else. The last five years when I was at Motorola, we had layoff after layoff after layoff. And those were the people that got walked out the doors. Oh, you don't want to continue to develop? We don't need you. There's others who will. And so even in our workplace or, or in our uh, in schooling or parenting or marriage, I hope you went to marriage enrichment last night to develop your marriage, not just being married. Well, I'm married, so that's all I need to do. No, you need to continually develop your marriage, singlehood, whatever it may be. Well, that's the same thing in Christianity, but it's kind of, a, you know, you're unique. Let me just share this with you. I think most of you might know this. Some of you might not. You are unique. To carry a Bible to church is unique. Then to know where the chapters are and the books are is unique. To find a verse and to actually follow along is unique. To sit and study under me, that's that's amazing that you would do that. But that's unique because you want the word of God. This is unique in America, guys, as you're going to see as we go through. So keep doing that. Keep developing your walk with the Lord. But again, this is just one aspect of that development. We need to be doing it every day on a regular basis. You need to be having a private devotional time, a private prayer time, not just Sunday mornings, but doing it on a regular basis to develop that personal relationship with God that God wants you to have where if I was born and raised in a religion, it wasn't about having a relationship with a God. It was about having a relationship with the church. And if I went against the church, I'm apostate. I've fallen away. I'm going to hell. No, I have a relationship with God through Jesus now. And yes, the church says this, but the church contradicts the Bible, so I'm sticking with the Bible. So as you develop that relationship, that's what's going to happen in your life. You're going to stick with the word of God. Well, David goes on to say, Psalm 25, a psalm of David, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without Cause. You know, it's fairly obvious, but did you notice what David does here in verse one? As he has done often, as we've been studying the Psalms, he commands himself to look to the Lord. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. How often do we hesitate in looking to God first in our searching for answers. And I think, unfortunately, it's too often. And and why is that? I think we might see it right here in these verses that we're going to go over this morning. You know, maybe we don't want to be embarrassed by telling others that we're looking to God for our answers. You know, I'm looking to buy a house. Oh yeah, well what are you doing about that? Well, I've got a realtor and, and we've got money and, and we're praying on where would God have us to live? You're praying where God would have you to live. Well, that's kind of weird. You got a realtor. What do you need God for? I mean, this is the way the world thinks. And unfortunately, because the world thinks that way, we as believers are sometimes afraid to say something like that. We're embarrassed. To say no, we're trusting in God. I got over this a long time ago because God is our, is my trust. I would say, "Praise the Lord!" at Motorola. I'd say, "Praise the Lord." I mean, they would say, "God damn it!" I would say, "Praise the Lord." And I really don't think you want God to damn that because you're going to lose your job if He does. So I wouldn't say that anymore. And they'd be, they'd be like, uh, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I mean, just be yourself. I wasn't weird. I wasn't hokey. I wasn't carrying a sign. The end is near. I was just being myself. And if you're yourself, they they see that. But they can also see if you're fake, too. So just, you know, start adding things to your vocabulary. You might think, well, that sounds kind of weird. I don't know. I just like doing it. i praise him. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have had what I had. You see, David here says, let me not be ashamed. And I think the key here is David uses the word ashamed three times in verses two and three. Who waits on you, who waits on you. Notice in verse 3 there, who waits on you. Those four words in the Hebrew, listen to the meaning here. They mean to bind together. To bind together. To look for, to expect. You see, there's nothing to be ashamed of when we look to the Lord to answer our questions, our problems, or our concerns. And we can expect an answer through the word of God, through prayer, through maybe counsel with other believers, that will do what? That will bind us together with God, so that we might be in God's perfect will. I know every single believer in this room, you want to be in God's perfect will. I know that. I want to be. Am I always? No. But I want to be. And I know you want to be. So how can we do that? By being in the word, by praying, by seeking counsel. And as we're doing those things and we just walk our Christian faith, I personally believe that I'm going to be in God's perfect will. But when I start to do things in my own strength, my own abilities, my own head knowledge, then I find myself out of God's perfect will and I have to go, I took the reins again. I wanted to do it my way. I'm sorry. Let me get back to your way. Maybe I'm just oversimplistic. But I really do trust that God is going to answer me. Since we are wrestling against spiritual forces that are trying to defeat us, we need to put our trust in the Lord. We need to be bound to the Lord who waits on you. You're not going to be ashamed. Young people, you're not going to be embarrassed as you wait upon the Lord for your mates. You're not going to be embarrassed or ashamed by staying pure, by staying focused on who God is calling you to. Just allow that to take place and stay focused on Jesus. Four through seven. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me. For your goodness sake, O Lord. You see in these verses here, David offers up a prayer and acknowledges some of the heavenly attributes of God. But notice first the humility of David. Look at what he says here. And this is hard for us men to do. Show me, teach me, lead me. Honey, why don't we stop and ask for directions? I got this. Just relax. We'll get there. I stop and ask for directions really quick. Got over that. Because, boy, did I waste a lot of time. Show me, teach me, lead me. That is humility. You see, David knows who saved him, so why wouldn't he wait upon the Lord for his answers? And notice your tender mercies. That's compassion. In verse 6 there, remember, O Lord, your tender mercies. And when you look that up, compassion, the example is the womb. So, the womb. You see, when a woman's pregnant, it's pretty hard to forget you're pregnant. And when something's going on, it's quite natural to protect, a woman will naturally protect her belly and even take the impact upon her own body to protect her baby who is in the womb. That's called compassion. So that's the idea that David is saying here. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness. You're a compassionate God, and I am your child According to your mercy is kindness. In verse 7 there, the middle of verse 7, according to your mercy is kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness. You see, not only does God not remember the sins of our youth, but he doesn't remember any of my sins at all. Praise God. And notice that he lists remember three times in these verses. Remember, remember, remember. Does God forget? God never forgets. David is just expressing a human side that we don't understand. Because God, Can God ever forget? No, God never forgets. He's got a wonderful memory. And that's so good to reflect for me and you on throughout the day, especially when the enemy is trying to beat you up with your poor choices. You see, we will never be sinless. Oh, you Christians think you're perfect, self-righteous. No, 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 no. We will never be sinless. But we should find ourselves sinning less. So for you and for I, as we go through the sanctification process from receiving Jesus as our Savior till the day we die, we shouldn't go, oh, grace abounds, so I'm just going to sin all the more, as Paul taught. No, no, no. God forbid. That's not what grace is all about but we should find ourselves sinning less. You see, don't focus on the accusations of the enemy, but rather focus on letting God show you more of his eternal truths. We can see David had done that in his life, and this psalm expresses that. He knew who could ultimately satisfy his soul. Notice at the end of verse 5 there. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait All the day. Don't sit around listening to the accusations and lies of the enemy. Get into the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Understand the Word of God. And walk in the Word of God. Because God never accuses His children. Ever. Not once. He convicts us through the Holy Spirit. That's totally different than accusations. Accusations will breed uh, distance, separation, conviction breeds repentance, reconciliation, restoration. So we come back together because of conviction. Just think about it in your own life. When you were accused of something by someone, did that draw you to them or did that push you away from them? It typically pushes us away. I don't. I don't like that. But if they come in humility and they say, Hey, I see this you know, I see something in your life that I don't know. I just don't think it's it's part of Christianity or part of your walk, or you want to do that, and they do it in love and grace and mercy, doesn't that draw you to them? It does. And so that's the difference. Don't receive the accusations of the enemy. But do listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Verse eight Good and upright is the Lord. I mean three thousand years ago. Has it changed? He's good. He's upright. He is the Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Notice capitals again as you see that. Again, if you're new or visiting, if you see the capitals in your Bible, that's speaking of God the Father, Yahweh, Jehovah. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies for your name's sake. O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. As I mentioned earlier, notice David acknowledged that he was a sinner. Now, thank God that we do have Genesis to Revelation and that we do now know, according to the word of God, that he does pardon all of our iniquity. All of it, past, present, and even future. It's already been pardoned at the cross. But on this side of heaven, I still make mistakes. I still sin. So I do need to go to God and ask for forgiveness. But from heaven to earth, I'm totally forgiven. God sees me as holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. So David is just expressing here. He's acknowledging that he's a sinner. And that takes humility. That takes humility. But through humility, David is able to make this proclamation. Good and upright is the Lord. Yet the Lord hangs out with sinners. Isn't that amazing? And David is able to look back on the path of his life and see that God's ways were the best ways. They were the ways of mercy and truth. And and those are two attributes that you and I need in these days. We need truth. As Planned Parenthood is trying to go into the schools and teach kindergarten children to question their gender, we need truth. Because there is an agenda to bring this country down. Spiritual agenda. There is going to be a one world government. There is going to be a one world economy. There is going to be a one world religion. The Bible says so. So don't buck against the Bible because you're going to lose. So you either bring two thirds of the world up. Or you bring one third of the world down. What is easier to do? Always to bring down. And that's why we see happening what is happening. And if you're not in the spiritual world, if you're not in the word of God, you just don't see that. You're just hoping, well, it's going to get better. I know it's going to get better. It's going to get better? I don't know what world you're living in. It's not getting better. The 60s was way better than it is right now. It's not getting better. And the 60s was pretty bad. It's not getting better. So David is just saying all the paths, notice here, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. And he uses that analogy of a path, which if we were to follow after, if you and I were to follow that path, we would surely find God's mercy and his eternal truths laid out before us. But again, this is hard. In a society that is pressuring our children, church, Bible, pastors, this, that, nah, find out your own way do it your own go with your feelings how many of us have heard that in our teenagers disaster my feelings were disastrous then and they can be now too but in simplicity guys this is what we need to do we need to follow the path that god has laid out for us which is what full of mercy and truth full of mercy and truth who is the man verse 12 who fears the Lord? Him shall he teach. So the man here, the first him, is the man or the woman. Shall he, capital H, so God, shall teach, he should, him shall he teach in the way he chooses. So God is going to teach us the best ways. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. And his descendants shall inherit the earth the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him or reverence him fear is another word for reverence and he will show him his covenant notice that just like with Abraham as God came to Abraham Abraham didn't have a Bible but God spoke to Abraham and made that covenant with Abraham we have the Bible God will surely show us through His Word that covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for He shall pluck my feet out of the net, out of the trap. There's many traps. There's traps that the world sets for us. There's traps that maybe our coworkers set for us because they want our position or they, whatever reason. There's traps that our families can set for us. Oh, he's a Christian. Let's see how Christian he is. There's traps that the enemy sets for us. And as we stay focused on God and God's word, the Holy Spirit will warn us, will guard us, will, will put a stop sign up, a caution light, slow down, pay attention, look what's going on. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. You see, when we give God the priority in our lives or or show Him the reverence He so deserves, He will always show us the way that leads to life. The secret of, the secret of those three words there, are intimate conversation. How can I have intimate conversation with God? Well, first read your Bible. That's very, very intimate. And then spend time talking with Him. I spend time talking out landscaping. That's my therapy time. That's my time that I spend, and I do. I, I listen to teachings, I listen to Christian music, and then I just spend time talking with God. And I can hear that still small voice. And He showed me many, many things over the years about myself, the family, the church, life. When even I'm just doing that, because landscaping is kind of like a no brainy thing, you know, pushing a mower around, chopping a hedge, weed-eating, whatever it might be, it's pretty brainless. So it gives you that time to find something brainless that would give you time to do something. Talk to God. Find that hobby that is brainless. And you'll be amazed at how you'll hear God speak to you, the secret things, the intimate conversation, plans or Purposes. The secret of intimate conversation, plans or purposes to this life are hidden in Christ. So that when a person receives Christ, the secrets of eternal life are revealed. The spiritual veil is lifted. You see, physical blessings come and go. But eternal life, there is nothing greater than that, guys. Physical blessings will come and go. And the health and wealth nonsense that's been floating around America for the last 15 to 20 years is nonsense. It's Christian fiction. Physical blessings come and go, but eternal life. And that's what, that's what keeps us on the path. When we realize, okay, it's all going to burn. I've got it now. I don't have it now. I'll get it again. I lost it again however many times it might happen in your life because it does happen but eternal life is like i got it and i ain't losing it because god's never gonna let me go that just keeps you so focused you realize yeah whatever these things are nice to have but if they go away they go away i've got eternal life let's look at second corinthians 3 14 through 18 second corinthians 3 14 through 18 because when you really understand eternal life, you will have a different a different mentality about this life. You really will. Because you will come to understand that physical blessings come and go. 2 Corinthians 3:14 But their minds were blinded for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Veil, veil, veil. Paul, who's writing to the church at Corinth, was a Pharisee. He knew the first five books of the Bible were perfect. But what was he doing after Christ rose from the grave and the church was birthed? Paul was Saul. Saul, as a Pharisee who knew the first five books of the Bible were perfect, what was he doing? He was killing Christians in the name of God. He was ISIS. He was killing Christians in the name of God. He was a religious zealot. I'm doing this because God has called me to do it. No, God didn't call you to do it. You're prideful. You're a religious freak. And you don't like it that people can get to heaven by accepting Jesus as their savior. That's too simple. We got to be religious here. So Paul had a veil on him a spiritual veil and most of us in this room have received christ as our savior but if you think back to before you received christ as your savior and things that maybe happened in your life and you just didn't get it maybe a christian said something or you saw a movie and you just like whatever that was that was kind of a goofy movie whatever it might have been but the Holy Spirit was reaching out to you and reaching out to you and reaching out to you, and then one day you received Christ as your Savior, and all of a sudden you started reading the Bible, and you go, wow, this makes sense. What, did you go to theology school? What, seminary? No, it's called the Holy Spirit came within you and lifted the veil. And this is what Paul is saying here. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Because it's about the book It's not about relationship, it's about religion. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. God had a relationship with Abraham, with Moses, with all the saints of old. He had a relationship. Nevertheless, and when Paul penned this, I'm sure he was thinking about himself. Because this was Paul. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, capital S there, the Holy Spirit. And where the Holy Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty from what? Think of Saul. Liberty from the law. It's not about meeting all the requirements of the law, 613 commandments, and then I'll get to go to heaven if I can do that, which he never could and no one ever can. But again, you've got to think religion, because that's what religion teaches. Make sure you do all the do's and don'ts, and maybe God will love you. Maybe you'll get to heaven. Bogus. And Paul now realizes this through the Holy Spirit. And now I am free. So does that mean I'm, I'm free to go out and murder? Thou shalt not murder. Well, I'm free from the law. I'm going to go out and murder people. Well, I can go out and steal now, because I'm free from the law. Thou shalt not steal. No, I'm free from the law. No, you're not You're not understanding the scriptures. You're not understanding the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. See, as the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you develop that relationship and you grow in that relationship and you used to be a thief, you're not going to be a thief anymore because you're going to be convicted of the Holy Spirit and you're going to realize, I don't need to do that. I'm going to get a job and work. I'm going to do the right thing. And all of a sudden you just find a freedom. You're not looking over your back every time a cop walks by. You, you, you just have this imme- immense Freedom. And even though you're not trying to meet the law, you're not stealing anymore, so you're meeting the law. Why? Because you have a love relationship now. Not out of duty or debt, out of a love relationship. So I'm totally free. But we all, with an unveiled face, so now Paul starts to bring it back home to himself personally, as well as to you and I, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So if you have a Bible... This is the mirror. So as you read the mirror every day, what are you looking at? You're looking at the mirror. And a mirror does what? Reflects. And so as you allow through the word, through your devotion, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you and say, that needs to change. That blemish there, you need to get rid of that. Well, how do I do that? Through the word of God. And so all of a sudden now you're beholding God. By reading your Bible every day. You are beholding the living God. And it says, like you're looking in a mirror. And what does Paul go on to say? Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. The same image as who? The same image as Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus. Jesus, when he was up on the mount with Peter, James, and John, was what? Transfigured. And the three disciples saw the glory, saw Jesus in his glorified state. For you and me, one day we're going to step into glory and we're going to take on that glorified state. We're not going to be gods. We'll never be gods. But we are going to have that glorified body. No more of this nonsense, praise God. But until then, we are to be transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by what? What does your Bible say? What word? spirit by the holy spirit that's why i get up here and say on a regular basis read from genesis to revelation well i don't understand it well whatever you have in here that's what you have that's what the holy spirit has to work with so so what do you give him the holy spirit to work with if it's not the bible he doesn't got a whole lot to work with so that might be why you're not being transformed So even though you don't understand it, get it in there and let the Holy Spirit, who wrote it, who understands all of it, transform your heart little by little, day by day, year by year, decade by decade, until the day you die. So if you're in your 70s, your 80s, don't think you're done transforming. You need to be transformed still. Because sometimes you people can be the most stubborn people. Because you're old and you just think everything should go your way. It's just like going back to when you were two, three, and four. It's amazing how that all works. And I'm talking from personal experience. It's amazing how that all works. No. You need to be in the Word of God in your 70s and 80s and 90s. Every single day on a regular basis, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform you so that your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, great if the Lord tarries, can look at you and go, now there is a man of God. Now there is a woman of God. Now there is someone who loves Jesus. They're in their 80s and they're still reading their Bible. Mom, why does grandma read her Bible? Because she needs Jesus. She needs Jesus more and more every day. 16, turn yourself to me and have mercy on me. David is pleading with God. For I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Notice David is praying to God. He's not running to counselor after counselor after counselor. He's not looking to his 401k or the government. He is going to God. Look at my affliction and my pain and forgive all of my sins. Consider my enemies for they are many. And they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. Here we see David crying out to God. And guys, what a great example for you and me, especially for us men. You know, we don't like to cry out. We can do it ourselves. But here David, who was a man, this guy was a man, he is crying out to God. He started off the psalm by acknowledging his dependency upon God, and here he offers up a prayer showing that dependency. You see, it's one thing to talk about the ways of God, And quite another to implement those ways. I'd be so foolish to stand up here and encourage you week after week after week to read your Bibles and one of you come up to me and say, are you reading your Bible? man? not really. Do I have to? I'm your pastor, but so what? I've got this all together. I'm telling you to read it. I don't need to read it. I've read it five years. I'm done reading it. That'd be so foolish. And you wouldn't expect that of me. So don't get offended when I expect it of you. Because I am just like you. I'm a human being. I need the word of God. I need correction. I need rebuke. I need exhortation. I need everything that you need. I need. And so you see, it's one thing to talk about the ways of God and quite another to implement those ways. And again, that just takes time, guys. This is no, well, you know, 30 days and you're going to be fantastic. This is a life. I fail. I make mistakes. I have to apologize. I have to figure things out. This is a life. But when you know that, then you have mercy for others and you show grace for others and you, and you just, you know, you go easier on other people because you know they're trying to figure it out as well as you are. And this is where the body of Christ really works together because you understand each other now in a way that maybe you didn't understand before. That we're just trying to grow and become more like Christ. You see, David is doing both in this psalm. He's talking about the ways of God, but he's also implemented the ways of God into his life. You see, David had many enemies without, but he also had many emotions within. And David needed to keep looking for God to deliver him from both, those without as well as those within. And the question is, can God do that? Obvious answer. Absolutely. If we only trust him to do so. Because again, notice in verse 20, David mentions the word ashamed. The word ashamed. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed. For I put my trust in you. I personally don't believe you will ever be ashamed of putting your trust in God. You may feel like that. But if you sincerely work through that feeling you're going to come to the realization, I'm not ashamed. You know, God God said no. And again, I'm just talking from personal experience in our lives of praying and saying, well, we're going to trust in God. And our family members looking at us like, you are absolutely a nut. You are crazy. You're ridiculous. What planet are you going to or from? What? That's okay. That's all right. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. You see, I've shared this often because it's a biblical principle with tremendous benefits. So we leave that that slide up there. What have I shared often? If we would just look back and see how many times the Lord has delivered us from our trials, as well as going through them with us, we would trust in Him more and not be ashamed to acknowledge that trust. But that takes personal experience. That takes stepping out and maybe failing as far as the world's concerned. But in my life, I don't look at it as failure. I look at it as experience and God's proving ground, God's training ground. And yes, I may have failed. I made a poor decision or whatever. But what does the Bible say? That God works all things together for the good. So even when it might look like a failure, if I submit, if I'm humble, if I surrender, God's going to turn that around somehow, some way, and work good in my life and in the lives of others if I have that humility, if I am seeking after His ways and His will in my life. It's practical, it's personal, and it does work. So I encourage you to really think about that principle. Don't look back like psychology and dig up your childhood to beat yourself up or to beat up others. Forget that. That's under the blood of Christ. But look back to say, okay, what did I do? And what did God do? And man, and all of a sudden you will find your faith being built and built and built. And you'll be not stepping out in nonsense, but you'll continue to step out. And you'll have more and more faith, less and less fear. And when you fail, you'll go, well, that's okay. Because I failed back there and God worked it for the good. So again, not, not being goofy, Not not being wise and doing your homework, so to speak. But you'll have more faith to step out. But you at least have to step out. Look back. How did God take care of you? Okay, God, you took care of me. You're going to keep taking care of me. I'm just going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep following you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. How about if you put your name there? Redeem Jim, O God, out of all his troubles. Can God do that? He can. I know he can. Do you know he can? you put your name there and say, yes, God can do it? Or are you like, eh, that sounds really weird. I don't like that. And I don't know. And no, I don't think so. Maybe you need to look back and see what God has done in your life to realize he wants to do a whole lot more. But we do need to step out. Father, we thank you and praise you that you are in the redeeming business. We thank you and praise you even this morning, Father, that you have redeemed us, sinners. We're, we were nothing special. We were just human beings doing our own thing, heading down the highway towards hell. And you sent your Holy Spirit and, and we listened. And it might have taken years, but we eventually listened. And you redeemed us for eternal life. Our names are written in your book and you don't have an eraser on your pencil. Father, I thank you and praise you for the simplicity of the gospel. That it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And Lord, I I know most of the saints in this room, they they have that relationship. But Lord, we want to go deeper in that relationship. We want to develop that relationship. And it only comes back to simple things. Reading your Bible, praying, speaking of you in the way, meditating upon your ways and your word. So Lord, help us to do that this week. Help us to get back to the basics, to the simplicity of the gospel. That our marriages might improve. That we'd be strong singles. That we'd be strong students for you that we'd be faithful in our retirement, still proclaiming the gospel, winning people to Christ, Lord. whatever phase of life, season of life we find ourselves in, that we would just give up our stinking flesh and surrender to you. That we come, might be more like Jesus every single day, looking in the mirror, looking in the word of God, and allow the glory to be transform, transformed into glory, Lord. You know, there might be someone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. And we're glad you're here. God loves you. And I'm not asking you to join Calvary Chapel, but I am going to say a little prayer. And if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, here's Christianity here is the truth. If you pray this simple prayer, God will send His Holy Spirit, who is God, and the Holy Spirit will come in you and you will be sealed until the day you die with the Holy Spirit. God will say, You are mine. I have redeemed you. You are mine and no one can take you from me. So if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, I'm going to pray this prayer. And, and there are people around you right now who love you and they're praying for your soul. They're praying for your eternal state. They may never see you again, but they love you because God loves them and they know what eternity is. So just pray this simple prayer. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior right now, Just pray, God, I need you. I've had a veil, a spiritual veil on my eyes. And and now I understand the truth that you are God and you love me. just the way I am so God I repent and I ask Jesus into my life right now I ask Jesus to be my saviour God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come into my life. I don't know what this all means, but I trust you will show me through your word. So help me, God, to read from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation. that I might start to understand you and know you better. And I thank you, God, that I can now call you Father, my Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for this morning. Lord, as we go out into our mission field, use us for your glory. Help us not to get caught up in the media, in the politics, in the racism. But Lord, help us to proclaim the good news that Jesus died for 7.3 billion people. There's not a soul on this earth that he didn't die for. So Lord, help us to go out in love and grace and mercy. Plant those seeds, water those seeds, fertilize those seeds. And Lord, if it's your will that we would pray with someone this week to receive Jesus. Lord, let that happen. We would love to pray with someone to receive Jesus. Use us this week for your glorious ambassadors. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. will not we all stand, guys? God bless you. Amen. Have a great week. Lots of things to sign up for. Read your bulletin. That's why we print them. It's also on the website. Have a blessed week, guys. If you need prayer, if you receive Jesus, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Elders will be up here. We're not going to do anything weird to you, but we just love to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, we have oil, come on up and get prayed for, guys. God bless you.
1: Jesus, all only one, I sing to you, forgiven savior.